And all of God's people said together, Amen. Amen. Thank you, praise team, and thank you, choir, for leading us this morning in worship. What a great time we've had already in the presence of God. I invite your attention today to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse 18, and we're going to look at the topic of Spirit-filled praying. We started our 30-day prayer challenge just this past week, and how many of you prayed every day this week? Some of you think that 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 question was associated with a challenge, and you say, well, I didn't know about the challenge, but I hope you prayed every day anyway. I hope every hand would go up. How many of you prayed every day this week? That's good. That's good. I'm glad. Uh, Just make sure we include everybody. If you were not part of the challenge, if you didn't pray with a prayer partner, uh, that's okay. God hears your prayers. He answers your prayers. And we have put in your bulletin today in your worship guide this next week's prayer guide. And so I want to encourage you, uh, even if you didn't sign up, maybe to find someone and pick up the phone and call them and pray. I'm praying with a couple of guys, and we prayed every single evening, uh, one at 8 o'clock and one around 9 o'clock, and what a joy it was to end every single day just calling for God to move in our midst, calling for God uh, to bring revival to our hearts and spiritual awakening all around us. I want to say this, as we pray for revival, as we think about God doing a fresh work here in our church, I want us to make sure that we're not substituting praying for obeying. I read that word from A.W. Tozer this week, and he said there's a lot of people that pray for revival, but there's not a lot of people that are obeying the Lord, and there's not a lot of revival that's happening. Perhaps if we would move to the place where we'd say, yes, Lord, I will be your witness. Yes, Lord, I will share the gospel. Yes, Lord, I will confess and forsake sin. I'll begin living a life of holiness and righteousness in Christ Jesus. I will seek your kingdom first. Then when we begin to pray for revival, revival's already come. Maybe we have replaced or substituted, if you will, praying for obeying. May it never be so amongst us. May we be an obedient people seeking the heart of God. Well, I've titled the message this morning, Spirit-Filled Praying, and I want us just to camp out on this notion of prayer, this subject of prayer. As we looked at, for several weeks, the concept of prayer and thought about what prayer is and what God's desire and design is for our lives through prayer, I just felt impressed upon by the Lord for us to look at prayer in the context of spiritual warfare. So we're going to look at that for the next couple of Sundays. I want to remind you of our statement of affirmation. Let's read this together. Why do we pray? I pray. Read it with me. Here we go. I pray to God to know Him, to lay my request before Him, and to find direction for my daily life. Prayer is an essential practice of the believer. Prayer is the avenue of communication that we have with our Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ to share with Him our burdens, our hurts, our desires, our longings, our victories. Prayer is an essential component of the Christian life. And today I want us to look at this from Paul's instruction to the church at Ephesus. So let's look together at Ephesians chapter 6 beginning In verse 18, pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession 
for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough in him to speak as I should. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for these closing words of this letter that Paul would write to a church helping them to understand that there's a war about us and about them. God, we live in a similar context. Your name is mocked in these days. Your, your, main, your name is trivialized. Your name is pushed aside as irrelevant. Your Bible has been called archaic and outdated. But God, we know that the gospel is the power unto salvation. God, we know that prayer is the only hope for our nation and for our church and for our families. We know, God, that you alone are the one that can bring about revival, renewal, awakening. God, help us to see very clearly and, and freshly these thoughts that Paul has shared with us about prayer. May they be applied to our lives. May we take them and internalize them. And uh, God, may you be honored in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. As we move through these final verses of this book of Ephesians, as we look at them, we understand that the context is spiritual warfare. Paul talks about the, uh, the armor of God. He talks about how... Uh, we are to put on certain uh, armament pieces that would uh, fit us for the battle that's around us. How many of you know that we are in a spiritual war? Anybody? It doesn't take very, very long to recognize that in our day and age. Social media and the newspaper and the news. This week, front and center, we've seen uh, an absolute place of spiritual warfare intersecting the culture around us with religious liberties and with our lives. And so as we think about all that's going on around us, we as Christians need to be wise in this day and in this battle. We need to be suited up and ready for the battle that is around us. We recognize that we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. People are not the enemy. We have an enemy, and the enemy is all around trying to do all that he can to destroy, to kill, and to steal. Think about this. Satan, the enemy of God, is also the enemy of the people of God. His desire for us is that we would be defeated and destroyed. He would devour us. And, and in 1 Peter it says to be serious, to be sober-minded, be alert, be on guard. For your adversary the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Here in Ephesians 6, the Bible says that he uses wiles, and the wiles of the devil speak of deceit and diabolical schemes. Now, we probably need to ask the question, what are the wiles of the devil? I believe there are some things that we could learn and, and think about together. We're not going to spend an investment of time there. We'll do a series in coming days on spiritual warfare. Today, I really want us to focus on this aspect of praying. But think about some of these things and see if they have, have ever fit your experience. Condemnation, doubt, fear, evil thoughts, depression. All of those flow from the wiles of the devil. 
The battleground is our mind and our heart. And if Satan can find a place in your life that he can insert doubt or discouragement, if he can frustrate your plans or your day, if he can steal your joy, then he'll lead you to a place of moving away from prayer, moving away from God, and disengaging from the battle. And that's exactly what he would want to do. Years ago, C.S. Lewis wrote an an incredible little story called The Screwtape Letters, and and an older seasoned demon was giving instruction to a younger or junior demon. And one of the things that was intriguing to me was that he talked about this demon and the, the one that he was to oppress, and the one that he was to oppress began going to church. And he said, leave him alone. I would love for him to be in church. We would love for him to be there and not actively engaged in a relationship with God, but but certainly there. I believe that when the doors of this and any other church open up, one of the first ones through the door is the devil. Satan wants to do all that he can, as I've said, to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to ruin the ministry of this church and any other church. If he can't keep you from coming to Christ, he wants to keep you from being effective for Christ. And if he can destroy your testimony or your family, he will use your life up and throw you away on the garbage heap outside. Now, think about this. Teenagers, you've seen this happen when you hear your parents tell you don't do certain things. They're not trying to keep you from fun. They're not trying to keep you from experiencing something that they know would be good and enjoyable for you. They're doing that for your protection. And Satan wants to make things shiny and glimmery and exciting and and enticing. And in fact, we understand that in this war, one of the things that Satan will do is just entice us by our own lusts. And so when we're enticed to find something, much like a fish would be enticed by a lure. And by the time that we take the bait, we're hooked and it's too late. And so what I want you to see this morning, church, is that prayer is mentioned here in this overall context of spiritual warfare. And Paul gives us some indication as to what kinds of prayers we should pray, how and when we should pray, and all of this begins to to pull together. So let's look at these together. The first thing that I want you to see is this. I want to point out three truths from this text. Number one, the concept of spirit-filled praying. The concept of prayer. Now, I want you to hear this. We do not have to become victims of Satan's traps and devices. We don't have to because we have avenues such as the armor of God and this glorious thing called prayer. Now, what is it? We've talked about prayer for several weeks now. I think it'd be important for us to go back and and just settle in on a definition. I would say this, prayer is communication with God. We've said that before. The concept of prayer is simply this. God, the supplier of all things, the source of life, has given to you and to me access to Him through this avenue of prayer. And the beauty is that we, as dependent, created beings, are to call out to Him and stay connected to Him through prayer. We are to engage Him in prayer, interact with Him in prayer. Let me give you a definition that I heard, a beautiful description of prayer by Jerry Vines. Look at this on the screen with me. In fact, read it together. Prayer is the breath of a redeemed soul exhaling its needs and its worship toward God. Think about that for a moment. A redeemed soul just exhaling needs and worship to God. I love that picture. 
If you are among the redeemed, if you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, then prayer ought to be as natural to you as breathing, that you would just simply breathe out, exhale out your needs to God and your worship to God. That worship may take the form of thanksgiving. When I thank God for, uh, even as Dr. Taylor said, all of the beauty of the creation. When I look at those flowers and I say, Lord, you created that for me to look at and for me to say thank you. I'm just exhaling worship. Lord, thank you. When I come to a place of absolute uh, frustration in life where I have no other place to turn, I simply exhale as a redeemed soul. My need to God. God, I don't know which way to go. God, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. God, I don't have the strength or the resource to make it through that need. Does that make sense? Yes or no? Help me out. Audience participation time. Yes, it makes sense that we would breathe out our uh, concerns, our burdens. Anytime we turn our attention toward God and speak to Him, we're praying. Now listen, folks, and you know these things, but we can pray in many different ways. It takes on different forms. We can pray in private, or we can pray at times in public. We can pray in loud voices, or other times whisper our prayers. Sometimes we pray in silence. We set aside times for prayer, and at other times prayer is spontaneous, as an occurrence that just simply emerges. We pray in all types of positions and postures. We talked about those things for several weeks. We pray when we walk. We can pray when we drive. We can pray when we rest. Prayer can take on many different forms. At home, at church, at work, on vacation. We pray with our hands up and our heads down. We can pray with our heads down and our, our uh, hands up. Either way, our, our desire is that we would, we would just, I, I think I just butchered that, didn't I? We can pray with our hands up and our heads down. Or we can pray with our heads up and our hands down. Or we can pray with our heads up and our hands up. How about that? We'll cover them all. Some of the most effective praying I've ever done, I don't know about you, it didn't take too many words. I, I, I love to pray kneeling beside my bed. And there have been times that I couldn't get back to that place fast enough and it seemed like I hit the bedroom door running and I hit my knees and slid into the bed and just said, Lord! You ever been there? We laugh about it as, as joking, but there have been times that I've just cried out and said, Oh, God! I don't know what to do. I don't know where I, I'm going to, to be able, I don't know where to turn I, and how I'm going to be able to make it through this. But you do. And so I'm breathing out my need to you. Prayer happens in many different places, in many different ways, in many different postures. And as we think about that idea of the, just the concept of prayer, it's important for you to see this. Yes, we set aside time to pray at times, but, but I want you to see here, this passage tells us that yes, we should pray, but it tells us when we should pray. Look at the text. Paul said, praying always. The word always carries the idea of at all times, in all seasons, at every opportunity. The Jews in Paul's day set aside specific times to pray. Muslims today would set aside five specific times. I never forget being in, in a, a country in the Middle East in the middle of Ramadan and the early morning call to prayer going out over the speakers in town and our hotel room having an arrow in the corner pointing toward Mecca. Every hotel room would so that they would know that they would turn toward Mecca and pray. 
But I want you to see that God tells us through the Apostle Paul here that we are to pray always. Let me just say it this way. It is always the right time to pray. You can fill that one in. It is always the right time to pray. I want you to hear this. It's so vital as Paul says those things, and it's backed up in other places in Scripture. Um, Romans 12, 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing constantly or instantly in prayer. Continue in prayer. Watch uh, in the same with thanksgiving, Colossians 4, 2. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, for which we named our prayer ministry. Pray without ceasing. Paul says pray always. And it's important for us to grasp that. There is no time when we do not need to pray. There is no time when we cannot pray. There is no time when God will not be listening and He will not hear us. There is a a sense that to pray always doesn't mean that we walk around with an attitude of formal prayer, head bowed, eyes closed. It means that we are in a heart attitude of communication with the Father, breathing out our need and our worship to the Lord. Amen? It's always the right time to pray. And as we think about that, praying is so important. We're not to babble. That's what the pagans do. It doesn't mean we count beads or memorize prayers or just say rote phrases. Jesus said that. Don't pray that way thinking you'll be heard for your many words. That's what the pagans do. Simply go to your Father. To pray always does mean that we live in a constant awareness of the presence of God. To pray always means that we see every experience as an opportunity to pray. When we're tempted, we call on Him and ask for His help. When we sin and we see, or when we see sin and wickedness, we call out to Him to work the situation to make it right and to work it out for His glory. When we see something of beauty, we give thanks for it. When we enter a time of trouble, we look to God for help. What I'm saying, church, is it's always the right time to pray. Amen? I just cannot say this enough, and I don't want us to lose sight of it. This week has been so fundamentally uh, encouraging to me because I've had every single day a text, a phone call, an email, or a drop-by visit, and somebody has said, I cannot tell you what this prayer challenge has meant. I'm not saying that we haven't been a praying people. I believe we have. There are many of you that are godly and love the Lord and consistently and faithfully open the Word of God and pray every single day. Thank you for that. But there's something fresh and new about just praying with somebody else and crying out for some specific things that maybe weren't on your radar before. But as we as a church family engage in this, know that we're engaging in a battle. Know that we are finding ourselves in the midst of spiritual warfare. We'll talk about those things. But this concept of prayer is that the Father gives you and I access to His throne room, and it's always the right time to pray. God develops this more in Scripture in two different parables. God honors those always prayers. He honors those watchful, persevering prayers as Paul wrote them. One parable in Luke Luke 11, 9 You remember there was a a man who persistently asked his neighbor for bread in the middle of the night, knocking and knocking and asking. And finally, at the end of that parable, he got his request. And Jesus said, I say unto you, ask and it shall be given. 
Seek and the door shall be, uh, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. We understand that the construct of the language there is a, a beautiful tense of language that says this, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. God answers, let me put this on the screen, the specific persistent prayers of his people. There's another parable very simply seen this way where a, a widow comes to a judge and she literally wears him out. I mean, gets to the place of aggravating him. She continually comes and continually comes and continually comes with her case. And finally he says, here, enough. And he grants that request. At the end of that parable, we see a beautiful picture in Luke 18. And shall not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on earth. Jesus is simply saying to us, we need to pray, and we need to pray earnestly. And Paul says here, pray always. The point of both of those parables is that God answers the specific Persistent prayers of his people. Let me say it another way. It's always too soon to stop praying. If it's always time to pray, then until you get an answer, it's too soon to stop. And church family, I want you to hear this. I want to see every eyeball if I can. Making sure. I believe many Christians stop just shy of a breakthrough. I believe many churches stop just shy of revival. I believe many believers stop praying just shy of an answer. And I believe that if you and I really understood who God is and this concept of prayer, that it's always the right time to pray. And we can pray at all times, in all kinds of positions, in any place, anytime, day or night. And that He says, I will answer you. If you pray and you've not gotten an answer and you stop, then that says, I don't believe God meant what He said. We've got to believe and continue believing. Jesus said, ask, seek. Knock. I believe the greatest days of this church are directly in front of us if we will pray spirit-filled prayers. The Apostle Paul said, pray always. Pray always. That kind of prayer. Ever let your soul release its breath to the Father. I can't get over that. I, I read that Jerry Vines quote. It is the breath of a redeemed soul. Breathing out, exhaling out its needs and its worship to God. Let's, let's go to the second thought. That was the concept of prayer. How about the content of our prayer? What are we supposed to pray? The text tells us here some things about what we should pray. I want you to see this. Paul divides prayer into two different parts. He mentions two things. Prayers and supplication. Or prayer and request. Now, let me, let me talk to you about this as we look at it. Verse, it's in verse 18. Just look at it with me for a moment again. Let me turn back there. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every, here it is, prayer and request. When he says prayer, every prayer, he's talking about every kind of prayer. 
These are nondescript, nonspecific prayers. These are the kind of prayers that we often pray. And they're not bad prayers, but they're not to be the only prayers we pray. When he says pray with every prayer, he's talking about those nondescript kinds of things. Praying for faithful pastors. Praying for missionaries and their work. Praying for protection in some non-specific place. Maybe we're praying for a city that has gone through turmoil. Maybe we're praying through a nation that's faced a catastrophe. We pray those kinds of prayers. I pray them for you. I don't know everyone's needs all the time, but I pray nondescript prayers. And here's what I would say about those. Those are the kinds of prayers that are simply the kinds of prayers that God would want us to pray. What do you mean by that? It's the kind of prayers that would bring glory to God. Praying things that God would want us to pray and desire to pray for. Lord wants faithful pastors to preach the word of God. He wants faithful churches. I don't know what's going on in the life of every pastor in this community. But you know what? I'm praying for the pastors in the Pine Belt. That they would stay morally pure. That they would stay grounded in the word. That they would preach with boldness. And and those are nondescript prayers. They're they're not specific to a, a, a person or an exact place. Does that make sense, yes or no? Do you ever pray those kind of prayers? I hope so. But that can't be the only kind of praying that you pray. We can't just play, uh, we can't just pray um, general. We, we need to pray some specific things. Now, Paul mentions requests or supplications. And here, here's what I want you to see. He mentions two different ones. He says, pray for all saints. Supplication means specific request. If I have a sickness, I can pray about that. If you have lost family members in your family, you can pray specifically about that. If you have a financial need, you can pray specifically about that. If you have a burden, you can pray specifically about that. So what I'm saying is he divides it up into two categories, and he says pray always in the Spirit with every prayer, every kind of prayer, and with requests or supplications. And he says, for all saints and for me. Now what this passage does, and we're, we're quickly running out of time, but I'm just getting excited about what Paul's about to tell us because I want to get to this third place. He's telling us two things. One, the need for specific praying. The need for specific praying. I think it's critical that we cry out to the Lord for specific things. I'm praying for a, a hundred souls this coming year for this church. It was in your prayer guide this week. Many of you prayed it. I'm trusting and praying that God would lead 100 people through the waters of baptism in our church this coming year. You say, Pastor, that's crazy. God added 3,000 in one day, and I'm giving him 365 days to reach 100. He can do it. Amen? I'm praying for a hundred souls. I'm praying for five new Sunday school classes. That's not a lot, but I'm praying that men and women would rise up and say, I'll facilitate a Bible fellowship. I'll be a part. That's specific. I'm praying that God would move in this church in a powerful way. I've already been praying that 40 people would rise up as intercessors and fill our intercessory prayer room during the day. And we're praying for 168 uh, intercessors long term. I'm praying that God would give us one person Every hour of every day, they would simply say, I'm on the wall, I'm on duty, I'm praying over this church, over this community, over this nation. Is God, is that too big for God? No. 
Paul says, pray specifically. Here, he's saying, pray for all the saints. And I believe when he says that, it's simply saying, you need to have the, the heart of the people in mind when you pray. Pray for one another. That's why this challenge so gripped me. It, it wasn't any kind of new program. It wasn't anything that I, I conjured up. I just said, let's get together and pray and watch what God does. And I believe we'll see great things come out of it. Secondly, I want you to see this. This is important. Well, let me, let me back up and just say one more thing about that. When the need is known, the prayer should be specific. When we pray specifically and God answers our prayer, it gives us confidence in our prayer lives and assurance in the power of God, both to hear and to answer. I, I, you've heard me say it this way before. One of the reasons that most Christians have an anemic prayer life is because they don't have an active, ongoing record of answered prayers. Let me pull over to the side for just a moment. You know what? We can finish this sermon next week if we need to. We can get to point three later. Last weekend, I lost my wallet. Anybody ever do that? that there's a panic-stricken feeling in there. I mean, I've got all kinds of pictures in there. And you say, well, those pictures can be replaced. He said, well, you have credit cards and money. Yeah, I had all those things in there too. I thought about putting an ad in the Hattiesburg American for my wallet and just saying, you know, that this brown leather wallet has been lost and the pictures and other things can be replaced, but I had deep sentimental attachment to the cash and credit cards that were in there. And I would love, I would love to get those back. I didn't put my ad in the paper but I lost my wallet. I have about three places that I usually kind of sling it around and put it, and I've checked every one of those. We turned the house upside down. I went for two days without it. I lost it Sunday. Tuesday, I didn't have, I mean, I, I just, not me. I, I don't like driving without it. I don't like not having it. I finished praying Tuesday night with my prayer partner, and we just prayed for all the things that were on that list, and I prayed with both those men. And I was sitting in my recliner, and as God is my witness, I'm not trying to over-spiritualize something so simple, but I'd been talking to Stephanie for 48 hours about my wallet. And, and I just got to the place of being overwhelmed by it. And I said, Lord, you know my need. Would you show me where it is? And as God is my witness, I got up and walked five steps. Hang on, hang on. I walked five steps and picked it up off of a coffee table. across. We had now, we had turned that house upside down. I'm not trying to tell you the supernatural miracle happened. I don't know if Hudson, my dog, found it somewhere and put it there. It was not there before. And I just know this. It was lost, and I asked God to help me find it, and there it was. I, I don't know if it had been stolen and was somewhere else, and I'm not trying to... Some people are going back to eat lunch this afternoon and say, our preacher's lost his mind. I, I'm not trying to be... All Baptocostal and crazy about something. I'm not trying to be emotional about that. I'm just telling you, God answers prayers. And I know He does. And I have confidence next time to ask, how foolish is it when your child is going through a struggle to say, oh, we're just going to try to work through it and not just cry out to God and say, oh, God, would you help my son or my daughter? Oh, God, would you work in his life? Or if you've got a lost loved one, why not just ask God to, to make Acts 4, true for them. Oh God, may they see that there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. Why would we not ask?
And church family, I'm just telling you, if we're going to see great days ahead, we're going to take Paul's admonition at its word, God's word at its word, and pray always in the Spirit with all kinds of prayers and with specific requests. And the beauty of this is that we know that God answers specific requests, and when He does, it builds us up confidently in our prayers and in His power and ability to hear and answer. Amen. Moving forward with just one more thought. He also says, pray for me. Did you know it's okay to ask for others to pray for you? I don't want you to lose sight of this. Sometimes we think prayer is just out there. Prayer is personal. It's intensely personal. God's desire is that you would find encouragement from the prayers of others. We don't know here if Paul prayed for himself, but he asked for others to do so. He simply said, would you pray that I would have utterance, that I would have a word. When I open my mouth, I would share the gospel. I would speak boldly. Is that a prayer God would want answered? I bet it is. So that's wise. Now, we've got to move forward. I, I, I want you to see this. And I, I just, I'll ask for forgiveness, not permission. I'm going to keep you for just a few minutes longer. The third thing is the context of prayer. The context of prayer. What do I mean by that? The context of prayer is this. In the Spirit. In the Spirit. In the Spirit is the context of prayer. Paul says, pray always in the Spirit. He says that all of our praying should be done in the Spirit. Just as the Christian life is to be lived in the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18 and Galatians 5.16, all prayers should be prayed in the Spirit. Now, here's what I want you to hear, church family. What does that mean? What does it mean when we speak of living in the Spirit and walking in the Spirit? I'm referring by a life that is controlled by the Spirit. And here's the thing. When He controls our lives, He reveals His control of your life by producing the fruit of the Spirit. That's why I gave you some months ago this little bookmark. Our sermon series, for the most part, since I got here, has been about three things. We said it matters what you believe, it matters how you behave, and we've dealt with those two. We talked about doctrines that are important. It's important you believe right. And we've talked about behaviors of a Christian. But you know where we're headed to? It matters who you become. The virtue that exudes from your life. And it's found in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. God will begin to press those into and through your life. Through His Spirit. When His Spirit is in control of your life. The world doesn't look like that. The world's clamoring for peace. The world's longing for real love. And in fact, we have been so attacked as intolerant, but we, as we love people, will overcome that and can share the gospel. Now, we think about being controlled by the Spirit of God and praying in the Spirit. And, and this takes us to the last thing that I want you to see. What does it mean to pray? All of our praying should be done in the Spirit, just as the Christian life and I've said that, it matters. Now, when we pray in the Spirit, I want to give you three thoughts. Number one, we pray in Jesus' name. It means that we pray in the name of Jesus. Now, hear me, church. That doesn't mean we tack on the words in Jesus' name. 
It means that we pray in the will of God. When we pray in Jesus' name, we ask for things that He would ask for, which means we pray for things that would glorify Him. When I pray in Jesus' name, I'm asking God to do things that I know from His Word and from His Spirit that He would want. That changes my prayer life. I think this is the rub for many of us. Many of us pray prayers that would glorify us. They'll make us comfortable. They'll make us content. They'll meet our needs. They'll scratch our itch. Church family, we need to begin praying spirit-filled prayers where we say, Lord, I want what you want. And when you surrender yourself and pray in the name of Jesus that way, you begin to pray at a whole different level of power because he controls your prayer life. Just as He controls your life and shows it through the fruit of the Spirit, He'll control your prayer life by the things that you pray. I've watched this happen. It's happened in this prayer challenge. Some of you have been praying things that you would have never dreamed to pray for as you're praying for a culture of evangelism and a culture of discipleship. And as you prayed for those things, the Spirit begins to take those prayers and lift them to the Father. It's a beautiful picture of cooperation. The second thing I want you to see, number one was that we pray in the name of Jesus. Number two, we pray according to the will of God and the nature of God. Very simply, we read what the Lord said about Himself in the Word. We pray the things that He wants and we allow His Word to shape our prayers. And finally, it means that we pray in cooperation with the Spirit of God. I love this. When we start to approach this place in our prayer life where we say, Lord... What I'm praying isn't what I would pray. What I'm praying is what you want me to pray. That's spirit-filled praying. The Spirit guides our prayers by promoting us and prompting us to pray about things that bring glory and honor to the Lord. All true prayer begins with God, and the Spirit in us knows what the Father wants. He moves us to pray about those things, helping to conform our prayers to His will. I want to finish up with a daily affirmation. And this I ran across this week. It's from Harvest Prayer Ministries. And I want us to read it together. It may be a little bit difficult to see. It's a little bit small. But I want us to read this together. Today, I deliberately choose to submit myself fully to God as He has made Himself known to me through the Holy Scripture, which I honestly accept as the only inspired, infallible, authoritative standard for all life and practice. One more. Next screen. I recognize my total dependence upon Him and submission to Him. I accept the truth that praying in faith is absolutely necessary for the realization of the will and grace of God in my daily life. I'm beginning to say that every single day, starting today, because I just said it. I just want to start my day and say the Word of God is the Word of God. It will direct my steps. And I will pray in faith, knowing that if I want to find the will of God and the grace of God, it'll come through Spirit-filled praying. Amen? I believe that for our church. I believe that for our lives. This may have been a, a strange message in some ways. I, I know that we rushed through some things and I tried to pack a lot in. But, but my heart is just so burdened that we would become a house of prayer. That we would pray specific prayers. That we would just simply wake up 
to the fact that God, the source of all life, invites us, not even invites, commands, challenges, if you will, call unto me, and I will answer you. And I will show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Let's pray. Father, today we have seen through just a couple of words from Paul that we are to pray always in the Spirit with prayers and requests for the saints and even request prayers for ourselves and for one another. God, I ask for a holy movement in this place, in these days. Pour out your Spirit upon us that we would be conformed to the image of Jesus. God, that people that are far from you would be saved. That people that have been lukewarm in their lives would be red hot on fire for you. Not in an emotional sense, but God, that they would begin to sense your leadership in their lives and they would submit themselves and they would find freedom and grace there. Lord Jesus, have your way in this church. Have your way in this congregation. In our body and our fellowship, we ask you to move. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that in the context of a war that's going on, you have simply said, as our commanding officer, we can turn to you with all of our needs and we can breathe our need and our worship to you. Have your way during this time of decision. In Jesus' name, amen.